DeAndre Ayton has officially signed his new max contract, and on today's episode of Locked On Suns, I'll explain why this may in fact be a win-win-win for all sides. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past five seasons and a writer at suns.com and Dime Magazine. A big thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen today and every day. Big news today to get to this offseason that never seems to end, but it is continuing to trickle, and we are getting uh, info little by little today. DeAndre Ayton at the practice facility in Scottsdale, officially signing his contract to become, well, to stay a Phoenix Sun. So if you're finding us on your favorite podcast platform, go ahead and hit follow or subscribe to make sure you do not miss this show in your feed every single morning. And if you're finding us on YouTube, That's the best way to support the show. A big thank you there. Go ahead and hit subscribe down below and then drop me a comment telling me what you think of this new era between DeAndre Ayton and the Phoenix Suns. Again, a win-win-win is what I'm going to call it today. Plenty of time to, to pick that apart, but I'm choosing to be optimistic today and I want to explain to you why? So let's start with DeAndre Ayton himself. We'll get to the team. We'll get to the future and the front office. But look, part one of this is money. And Monty Williams actually was quoted in a story that I'm going to reference multiple times throughout today's show by Mark Spears, which was reported as the contract was being signed today. There's social media posts going up. The press release from the team is out as well. And then Mark Spears got to basically speak on the phone with Jones, Monty Williams, and DeAndre Ayton. And money is where this comes back to, whether whether it's like uh, sexy, I guess, or like exciting or not. Um, DeAndre Ayton told us how important his, son, his second contract was, and now he's getting it. I don't think it's anything to to laugh about. I mean, I, I'm sure that I've made jokes about it in the past. I'm sure that I've maybe called it into question. I think that it's possible to think multiple things at once. Do I, do I believe still that the weight of vying for that second contract could have weighed on Aiton at, at various points and that maybe being so public about it pre-draft was not the best thing to say, yeah, I, I can still think all of that. But the idea that I'm against this guy getting his money or that I wouldn't be fighting for that second deal just as much as he has and just like every young player in the entire NBA does is also a complete lie. Of course I would. And of course it's a normal thing to feel and think. Monty had a quote about this in the piece that I think is really interesting. He said, Quote, when you're a coach or a player in this league, you do it because you love it, but you also do it because you get paid a lot of money. People always want to say it's not about the money. That's a lie. It is about the money. I'm a coach. I'm a head coach in this league. I bet that I could go find a high school job in every state in the country and probably have a lot more fun and less stress. But all of us are in this position. One, we love the NBA. We love the league. We love the game. But we get paid a lot of money and you have a short window to do it. 
Um, Monty went on to say, so I just kind of laugh at all these people that say, oh, it's not about the money. I'm like, yeah, it is. Once you identify that, you can kind of move on past it because if you keep whining about it, it's just a distraction and people know it's about the money. And so I think, yeah, it is less of a distraction, meaning Aiton now having signed this deal, it's less of a distraction for the team. And I think you can boil down the disagreement that Aiton and Monty got into in that game seven largely to the money. I mean, again, that might sound basic or uh, ridiculous, but it's not. This is a moment where Aiton was probably seeing his future flash before his eyes. And again, a second contract is a thing that all players vie for, but uh, you know, it's really a, a place and Aiton talk, has talked about this extensively and he talks about it in the Mark Spears piece too, that the second contract's not only just this like abstract thing that represents all the respect you've gotten or, you know, this big paycheck. It's, yes, it's money, but it's also stability. Um, It's where you can really lay down those roots. You can start a a charity or a foundation. You can really start to give back to the community that you come from or the communities that you come from in a big way, a consistent way, a like foundational way. Like I am going to start a, uh, youth center. I'm going to start a youth basketball camp. I'm these things that you can, you can know the money will be there for in a way you couldn't before. And of course, support your family with real security. So on that note of stability, I wanted to go through this as well. Here's what the last eight years of DeAndre Ayton's life have looked like. I don't think this part gets talked about with a lot of these young players who are one and done in college and maybe go from public to a from a public to a private school during high school, and then a lot of the time they come into a bad team situation in the NBA. And when you add in for Aiton the the move from the Bahamas and everything else the past couple of years, it really starts to put into perspective just why just how important this was. So let me go through it. In 2014, he moves from the Bahamas to San Diego to start high school in the U.S. Moves to Phoenix in 2016 for the second. For the final two years of high school at Hillcrest. 2017, he enrolls at the University of Arizona down in Tucson. Freshman year, he uh, his season is derailed by the Adidas and Christian Dawkins scandal and an NCAA investigation, the press conference where he is uh, being grilled by reporters who are putting the blame on him for something that was obviously an entire business within college sports that Aiton became the center of. They lose to Buffalo in that year's NCAA tournament. He's heavily criticized there. He becomes the first overall pick, and yet somehow that becomes a negative, thanks to people like yours truly. I will take all the credit for that ownership of that uh, that you need me to, but he was obviously a much maligned top overall pick. His rookie season, 2018-19. The Suns go 19-63. and His second season... Right at the beginning of it, basically, he gets suspended for 25 games. By the end of that season, there is COVID and the bubble. Big pause in the middle of it. By the next year, he has to start sacrificing because Chris Paul comes into town and his role gets rocked. Then, after that year, they lose the finals and it goes straight into extension negotiations. Nothing happens there. And he eventually ends up having to play out the next season, this most recent one that just ended, as basically a lame duck. After all of that, (laughs) this contract represents stability for him, that he's earned. He has vitally very much earned the stability that he now gets with this four-year, $133 million contract, the second max deal that he so 
clearly wanted that matters a lot to these players and that he will benefit from immensely. This is also the best a win, win a win for Aiton <clears throat> on one of his I guess triangle points of this win win win. We talked about money, we talked about stability. It's also a win for him because of the aspect of winning. Obviously, I'll we'll have plenty of time to talk about how his role and his ceiling will play out over time. I, I do think he needs to continue to get better. I think that. It's a question how much better he can get, but the bottom line is this was his best chance to continue to win at a high level. Um, Whether they get Kevin Durant or not, of all the teams discussed, from the Pistons to the Pacers to the Spurs, even the Nets with Ben Simmons and maybe Kyrie Irving or the Jazz with Donovan Mitchell, if that had played out, this Suns team gives Aiton the best chance to compete for a title of any of those. And that matters. I understand he seemed to prioritize money this time around, and I think he was fully ready to leave the Suns. But nevertheless, he now gets that payday and he gets to win. That's really the best of both worlds. Now, obviously, that roll and ceiling stuff, especially on his end, the roll is going to be important. I'm not saying that this is everything's good and, and gravy and we're all back to normal. There's going to have to be some give and take here, and I think a lot of that is going to be the Suns giving him more of uh, more rope in order to, uh, to to fill out his game. But he now gets paid, he gets that stability, and he gets to win. I'll explain why this deal was a win for the Suns as a team as well. But first, today's show, guys, brought to you by Built Bar. From the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds. If you've ever tried the amazing Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar, guess what? Our friends at Built have given the Coconut Brownie Chunk the Puffs treatment that's right, if you've ever had a Built Puff, you know that it's the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. You know that it is soft, delicious, and packed with protein. Low sugar as well. Coconut brownie chunk puffs are only here for a limited time, so go to Built.com now to make sure you don't miss out. They're going fast. I believe they've already, look, they will go at some point. But I can tell, and I'm looking at a countdown right now that's showing me s'mores by midnight Arizona time. Actually, midnight Utah time today as I'm recording this. That indicates to me there's another release coming and Built does cycle these things out. So if you don't get that coconut brownie chunk puff, it may seriously be gone. And I promise you, it is one of their best flavors ever. The bar is delicious. They sent the puffs as well. Those are even better. They're the perfect treat. Perfect when you've got a craving, when you need to satisfy your sweet tooth, or if you need a quick, healthy snack full of protein. Delicious coconut, rich wheat brownie, and creamy marshmallow. So stop fantasizing. Get to Built.com to order your box of coconut brownie chunk puffs right now. Again, that's Built.com, promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Okay, I talked about why it's a win for DeAndre Ayton to get this max contract. Now let's talk about why it's a win for the Phoenix Suns. First and foremost, the line you've heard from everybody, including me, they could not let DeAndre Ayton walk for nothing. Also, none of the other centers available, like as much as I was trying to find the best opportunity in a sign-and-trade that I could with Atlanta and other teams, I don't think, I think it's pretty obvious to say None of the other centers who would have been available in those deals, whether it was Miles Turner, Jakob Pertl, even John Collins or Clint Capella with the Hawks, 
or anyone else are as good as or as young with an upside to continue to get better as DeAndre Ayton, right? So it's obviously wasn't going to be an option for them to let him walk, but there also weren't really trades out there. And even more so, by the time he got this offer sheet, there really were not a lot of other centers available in free agency. You were looking at Hassan Whiteside or DeMarcus Cousins, guys who may not even get guaranteed contracts this year. And we're talking about players who might have needed to start for the Suns, right? So those are kind of like the logistical reasons. I also think it's important to just remind everybody of his impact on this team. Um, You know, played 30 plus minutes per game over the past three seasons, although his minutes per game have gone down, which is a little bit bizarre. Um, He's a walking double-double. He is an efficient, efficient player. He's one of the best pick-and-roll finishers in the NBA. He has one of the best inside accuracies in the entire league in terms of when he releases a shot in the paint. It is about as likely to go in as there is a single shot in the entire NBA. And just in terms of like the value that the numbers tell us he has, he was third in net rating in terms of on-off, so when he was playing versus when he was on the bench. How much of an impact did that make on how well the team played? He was third in that in this year's playoffs behind Chris Paul and Mikhail Bridges, and he was fifth in 2020-21. And some of those stats are weird because, again, in that first Chris Paul season, the Suns bench just blew people out. So in the playoffs, the Dario Saric and Cameron Payne on-off net ratings are a little bit uh, not believable, let's say, especially by the end, those guys were not making a big impact and Aiton still was. So he's been a vital integral part with many high moments, incredible performances in the playoffs in his first two postseasons, mind you, at, you know, basically what, ages 24 and 25? No, 22 and 23. I'm completely making things up. So to do that at such a young age in his first two postseasons is, illustrates enough what a big role he has played on this team. And he's getting better is the other part. Another part of why the Suns are winning here. I think it's also kind of, when we're talking about him getting better, important to remember that between the suspension, his various minor but still pretty consistent injuries, and the COVID shortened season, and then this season when he missed some games having COVID, He's only played 236 out of a possible 328 games during the regular season so far in his career. So he's missed almost 100 possible games, almost a third of the games in his career, right? So there is some, and obviously he's played many more playoff games than most guys his age would have, but still, there's a lot of missing territory there, and he's still young. So that's important context here when you're thinking about the the contract that's now going to be his ages 24, 25, 26, and 27 seasons. Those, Those are his prime years, and you would think you're already feeling pretty comfortable, I think, paying him for what he's already done, but you're you might be making a decent investment on a player that's going to continue to get better. And here's what James Jones said about that in that article by Mark Spears. He said, quote, He's motivated to continue to improve, and we're motivated to help him reach that level. And if he can reach that level, we're a great team, an even better team. We're already a good team. We're already a great team. But with that, we're even better. Monty, 
Quote, he wants to be in that class of players that's regarded in this way. So from that standpoint, I think as a competitor, that's what you want. When you see a guy working for that, that part is pretty cool. And I think that quote for Monty is touching on something that I hit on with, uh, with Aaron Edwards to close out last week's shows after Aiton had signed the deal, or the, the Suns had matched it, I mean, where I was kind of thinking aloud that, you know, the weight of this second contract, knowing how big of a weight that seemed to be for Aiton, and uh, the frustration that he ended up kind of boiling over with in that game seven of, I desperately want to lock in the security and, uh, you know, financial boon of that second deal, but I know the way for myself to do it is to be a part of this team sacrificing for the betterment and and for the winning that we're doing. And so I wonder if, to the point Monty is making there, he's now achieved that, right? He, he took on a lot of pressure, of sacrifice, of humility in order to get to this point. And I wonder if there's kind of a certain level of confidence and freedom that we might see from DeAndre now that he's kind of there. I don't want to say he's over the hump. He has a lot left to continue to accomplish in the league and prove in the league and and accolades to to get and and obviously that championship that I'm sure he still feels hungry for after getting so close last season, well, 2 years ago. And so I wonder if that's part of it. Like I've never personally been sold. I don't think this is any secret that there's some sort of dominant Patrick Ewing or David Robinson type player that's just hidden beneath the surface with Aiton. I I think I'm a little bit skeptical, but but very excited to see what his ceiling ends up being if the Suns give him that that rope to, to, to figure that out. But I also think it's undeniable, and I'll be the first to, to laud him and praise him for the flashes, especially in the past two postseasons, that definitely left all of us, and, and it's, I'll, I'll say for sure me, feeling like there was another level that Aiton can get to, right? Whether it's the game uh, game four in Los Angeles in the conference finals, the 2020 game that he had, or it is uh, the first round game that he had where he had a perfect first half from the field against the Pelicans and scored 25, 30 points in that game when the Suns really needed a win. I believe that was a game four as well. So those those moments, actually it was a game three, those moments prove that there's more there and that there is a ceiling and maybe a ceiling that I'm not taking seriously enough. And so that's, I mean, maybe the biggest reason why it's a win for the Suns is, you know, they got him on the contract they wanted. He's he's valuable, blah, blah, blah. But he's also showing us that there could be a lot more there. Lastly, I'll explain why this could even be a win when it comes to the Suns' future, including in Kevin Durant trade talks. But first, let's take a quick break. Okay, so we also know that this offseason is far from over for the Suns, and it's kind of hard to take the DeAndre Ayton move in a vacuum. So I've talked about why it's a win from his perspective and from the team's perspective, sort of like the roster, money, the winning ability of the team, but... How about from the front office and the overall future of the organization? Because I think from either perspective, whether they continue to go, whether they actually get Kevin Durant, we know they're going to continue to go after him, whether they actually get Kevin Durant or not, I think it's pretty clear that um, Aiton is 
helping them down the line. But let's start with the KD talks, okay? Even if getting Aiton back, and I've said already multiple times that I'm not sure the Nets ever wanted Aiton. I'm not sure if Aiton was ever going to be part of those talks. But we now know that if you're going to get Kevin Durant as the Suns, it's going to be Mikhail Bridges and or Cam Johnson, right? And I kind of think the more that I've digested this, that keeping Aiton and trading one or both of those guys is still probably the smartest bet as in terms of like overall team building, right? Because if you get Kevin Durant and you already have Devin Booker, you're sort of, you know, two guard, three guard, well, two, three, four spots, let's say. Those are kind of filled, right? I mean, maybe not the four, whatever you want to call Durant. I think that the Suns are at least going to be able to keep one of Crowder, Bridges, and Johnson in the trade. Like you kind of have those slots filled, right? Um, You're expecting that Aiton or that Durant is good enough that you don't really have a need in those positions. Obviously, you would like the depth, and obviously we all know Bridges is a fan favorite, but keeping the center who's young, younger and getting better seems like the smart thing to do, right? Not to mention the NBA is getting bigger again. We had a really short-lived uh, little time there where the Warriors and uh, the, the Rockets and the Cavs made small ball en vogue, but this offseason and last offseason and everything else have proven that the NBA is getting big again. And Denver, Minnesota, Memphis, you're not beating those teams without significant size in the West. And on the flip side of that, we know that the size and talent and skill that Aiton does have is going to help you beat the Warriors, the Clippers, the Mavericks, these teams that that do try to switch on him. And so from that perspective, he's a he's a, a matchup beater that you really need in a way that, yeah, Mikhail Bridges is somebody who can be a matchup beater by taking an, oppo- an opponent's best player out of the game a little bit or, or weakening them, but he's not somebody who's going to flip the script of a game with the way that he plays, whereas Aiton is. So I think keeping Aiton and getting Durant, that feels like a more whole team to me. Even if I was the guy advocating for do the deal with Aiton and Johnson and whatever, I think Bridges might be, I don't know, you might look back on the careers and say Bridges is a player who contributed more to winning overall. But I just think the versatility and the way that the defense especially is just built around Aiton, it's hard for me to imagine that they were going to replace him very well, whereas Durant can kind of be the Bridges and the Johnson replacement, right? If he's playing next to Crowder or whoever it ends up being. I think that makes sense. I hope that makes sense. I think that, I think we'll look back on it in that way if the Suns do end up still getting KD and they have just that anchor in the middle that that might end up proving to be uh, a much more stable way to go forward. Without Kevin Durant or post Chris Paul and Kevin Durant, the overall flexibility that this gives the Suns makes it a win as well because it's always best to keep the big salaries like this on your books. You cannot lose these things for nothing. The Warriors have kind of become the cliche example of this with Kevin Durant himself. They turned Durant into D'Angelo Russell when Durant went to the Nets, 
And then they eventually turned D'Angelo Russell into Andrew Wiggins, who was a star, all-star starter and basically the number two in NBA Finals MVP results this year. Um, teams that around the league, you can just look. The teams that are looking to make trades and be flexible, they keep those middle to, to high salaries on the books. The Raptors, the Clippers, the Heat, the Knicks, the Sixers, all these teams that are kind of always lurking in those trade talks. They're able to do that because they have the Luke Kennards, the middle salaries, or they have the um, Kyle Lowry's or the Tobias Harris's that are some of these big salaries that maybe aren't playing up to their level, but you, you keep them rather than just flipping them because it's so vital to have um, the matching numbers to make these big trades happen. If, you know, if the Sixers eventually want to go get I don't know, Damian Lillard, let's just make something up. Well, now they can use Tobias Harris's contract to go do that. The Heat could use Kyle Lowry's contract. They could use Duncan Robinson's contract, right? So Aiton becomes that for this team. Um, and that was it's another part of what people are saying when they say you can't lose him for nothing. It's not just that your team gets worse. That's a huge part of it. But it's also a little bit less so. But it's that. It's that. It's you can't lose that asset too, right? And it's not something James Jones likes us to say about players, but it's it's a fact and, and the salary cap exists. You can't deny that and this helps them be more flexible there. And last but not least, I mean, it's a win for the Suns because they kind of won the negotiation. Like, I don't think that can be lost. They keep Aiton, but not at the full 180 million, 180 million over five years that they could have given him if they had just bent over and done the biggest deal that they could have. And instead, they get him on a smaller max. They don't get him for the five years. That hurts his, you know, if he's a great player for you, you don't get him for as long. He hits free agency again. He also can be eligible for an extension again and, and ask for more money. And also, when he, if he ever were to be traded, then he's not going to be quite as valuable to the next team. So all that's true, but still, they pay him $47 million less than they were going to or would have had to. And instead, it's a little bit of a smaller deal and, again, uh, save a bit of tax money. So this is what the Suns reportedly, according to James Jones, on the record, but denied by the agents in October's negotiations. This is reportedly what the Suns wanted all along. They wanted to retain Aiton potentially on a three- or four-year deal that was close to the max. Um, but he didn't want to accept that. He wanted to come into free agency and, and get the most that he could. And so he did that and he gets it. And so he is obviously going to be content as we talked about at the top of the show, but this is just clearly a win for the Suns in the negotiation side of things. So uh, I guess tip of the hat to them as well. I don't uh, necessarily advocate for the rich people who own teams to win the negotiations, but obviously it helps them feel better about how this all played out and feel like you know, once again, the whole point here, everybody was a winner. That'll close out today's show, guys. Looking forward to Aaron Edwards coming back later in the week. We will also have a crossover show with the hosts of Locked On Nets soon. So keep it right here. Big thanks for making Locked On Suns your first listen today and every day. Now, go make Locked On NBA your second listen to catch up on all things NBA.